Welcome to the Midcast, presented by the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland. Each month we will look at some of the key issues for mission in Scotland today. We'll bring you experienced voices, practical insights and unique stories, all focused on the mission of the church in Scotland. Welcome to the Midcast. My name's Glenn Ennis. Thanks for taking the time to download this episode. This is part three, the final part of our interview series with Brian Sanders, where we have talked with Brian about his own background in the first episode and the second episode. We explored this idea of microchurch with him and what that is. If you haven't listened to those episodes, I'd really encourage you to go back and have a listen to them before you sit down to listen to this one. Before we get to this week's episode, I just want to let you know about a couple of episodes that are coming up. As part of our ongoing listening to voices from outside of Scotland, we have a couple of episodes with Ben Francis from One Life, who's going to join us to talk about disciple-making movements, which is another kind of version of looking at how we can think innovatively about how we do church and mission here in Scotland. Those will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. If you don't subscribe to us, let me encourage you, whatever app you're using, hit the subscribe button, make sure you don't miss any of the episodes. And also, if you've got the chance to just take 10 seconds to give us a review or give us some feedback, we would absolutely love that. be super helpful for us and also helpful for people to find out more about what we're doing and to broaden who is able to catch the episodes. Back to the episode with Brian today. We're going to, we sit and talk about microchurches, about their practice. We talk about Brian's prodigious reading habits and some of the books that have been helpful for him over the last year. I love these conversations with Brian. I hope you enjoy this last one. Um, so we'll, we'll try and land this somewhere. Um, I wonder if, uh, if you would maybe talk with us just for a, a few minutes about some of the kinds of microchurches that you have either done yourself or you've seen other people do that might help just spark people's imagination for what we mean about this in reality. Uh, because your book is great. Your book, uh, or your most recent book, which is Microchurches, A Smaller Way, I think is the full title. And, uh, you know, the first section is setting out a lot of what we've just talked about. Well, yeah. What is a microchurch, that kind of thing. And, but the second part is profoundly helpful because it's about Okay, so I like the idea, how would I go and put that into practice? Yeah. And it strikes me that one of the keys for us in a nation like Scotland, where we have you know, a very particular Christian heritage that we are both thankful for, but also recognise that it brings some challenges, that actually the imagination to see church is, different, is sometimes a bit difficult. So could you give us some examples or some ideas of things that might, might spark some folks? Yeah, you know, when we talk about calling, one of the six um, elements that we're, we help people triangulate in their calling is, is the idea of opportunity. Like, hmm. just where where do you have a unique connection, openness, access that maybe somebody else wouldn't have? Um, and often, if you could just answer that question, all of a sudden you break out of where the, what the church could be and where it could be. You yep. say, well, I work in a hospital. Well, that's access. That's access. So now can you imagine a microchurch in that hospital? Mm. You know, um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I coach a, a football 
team or something like that. Okay, can you imagine a microchurch in that league, in that football league? Um, I have a child with disabilities, maybe autism or something like that. And every day I wake up and that's my reality. Nobody has to tell me that that's important, that God cares about parents of kids with autism and cares about the kids and the struggle they have to sort of fit in. I get that every single day. And I know a bunch of parents who have that same struggle. Now can you imagine, that's access, can you imagine a microchurch for kids and parents who autism is part of their reality? It's really, it is an exercise in imagination, but it's also an exercise in kind of like your own per analysis of your own personal Ooh. life and story. Um, I just, there's some people I think we're, we're sort of loosely inspired or loosely connected to who uh, started something called Cast Member Church, which is in Orlando, which is where Disney World mm -hmm. is. And if you work for Disney World, you're called a cast member. Okay. And I thought, well, that's so novel. Like somebody thought, well, let's make a microchurch for Disney World employees, yeah. you know? And of course, then I find out there's 30,000 Disney World employees. What? Yes, that's like wow. a, that's that's like a, a city. city. It's that's a, a big city. It's, it's, going, a, yeah. it's a town. So, so I thought, oh, well, that's... Why wouldn't there be a church in that town? Yeah. And But this is the point. Because we don't think missionally, there isn't one. There isn't even one church in a 30,000-person tribe, right? So there shouldn't even just be one. There yeah. should be. There could be like the theater cast member church and the, you know, the food production cast yeah, member yeah, church yeah. and the ride people cast member church. All those possibilities exist, and people are are deeply creative out of the place where they're connected. We had a group of people who work with they because they work with the homeless. They started doing these open mic nights, mm -hmm. and they would have a, a show, and homeless people could come and just do their art. So they could do poetry or play guitar and, and, and people have people are talented. Sure. You know, they carry that with them. And maybe they've had a struggle, mental illness, whatever. So then out of that came a, a microchurch idea, which was to create a recording studio record label for homeless musicians. <laughs> which is about as niche as yeah, you can yeah, imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to get these guys in and to give them a shower maybe and to give them a bunch of high quality instruments and to say, okay, write some music and let's record your music and, and the dignity that comes from that and the discipleship that comes out of like, let's talk about your whole life and how can we walk with you and you build a little community there and a microchurch can emerge there. That is so specific yeah. that you're never coming up with that. I'm never coming up with that as creative as I want to be. But then, but then it's a, it could be as simple as just a neighborhood and a home and your living room is just this beautiful place to have a meal. And, and so for, for 15, 16 years, every single week in my living room, there's a gathering. And it's just a meal and prayer and looking at scripture and anyone's welcome and people come to faith there. Dozens of people come to faith there. Other microchurches have spun out of there. Dozens, actually. I think I counted 56 wow. spun out of my living room. Now, that's a little bit of a cheating thing because sometimes people come to my house church just because it's me. Because. Yeah, they, they, it's the first place they go when they yeah. hear about the underground or something. So it's not, that's, it's no credit to me at all. But, but the point is, that's all very simple, too. There's nothing... 
profoundly difficult about that. We all have that possibility right there for us. So it could be something very specific that's related to access or opportunity where my life alone has given a kingdom agent is now there, yeah. is in that school or in that business. And we keep thinking, why doesn't the church do this? Why doesn't the church reach the people? Why is the church? Well, you're there. Yeah. You're meant to be there for a reason, yeah. probably. And why don't? Why doesn't the church go there? And that's all, that's on us. Where there's a certain level of responsibility we have to take. If we love those people, can we can we create? And then, of course, what's really big for us is contextualization. Is mm. the gospel has to be put into the language of the people. This is this is. The birth of the church in Acts 2, so much of, of the DNA of the church is given to us in Acts 2. Hmm. And that, that contextualization, that, that language, like putting, putting the good news of Jesus into the language of the people has got to be remembered in every missionary context. So I'm, I'm just really not a big fan of method or models that are meant to transcend every culture. I think, I think we have to do that work of contextualization. One little thing on that. So we've got these folks doing the, these things and I can almost hear some of the folks listening saying, yeah, but that sounds like one or two individuals doing a thing in the place that they are. You know, that's a good church scattered kind of go as missionaries idea. H how does that become a micro church? Do, do they have to build a team? What's the, yeah. what's going on there? Right. So I would, I, I think the language of let's go plant a church is probably not quite right. I would say the, the starting point, if you want to say church planning, the starting point is actually mission. So let's go start a mission. Let's go plant a mission. And then if, if, if God blesses it, a church will emerge out of mission. So yes, a mission can start with just two, three people who commit to each other. Don't go alone. I mean, that was, you know, Luke 10 is, is pretty clear. Jesus wanted them to be in teams. You want to form a team. So in the Microchurches book, the second half yeah. is really a practical argument for how do you do it. And I would say the first in the ideation phase, you are trying to build a team. You're sharing your idea. Like, what if we, what if we had a, a, a microchurch in this football league? Wouldn't that be cool? And you're just sharing with people mm -hmm. until you get enough people that feel also called. Yeah. And it could just be three people. That's a starting point. But you need a team, and you need community, um, and then and then even then, well, what is that? It could just you could just say it's it's mission. It's yeah. it's Christians being in mission. But there should be a hope, I suppose, that a church could emerge. Yeah. That that you're that you're sort of praying and hoping that people come to faith, and then you and you're not going to extract them from that place to your church over here. You're going to actually build the church in the place you that you build the church in the place where it is, and then you just make the decision yourself. I, I just really believe in agency, so you should be able to say to those people in the football church, um, ah, "If it's helpful to you to come on Sunday mornings to the thing, you're welcome. That'd be lovely." But there should never be pressure on that microchurch to do anything that is not advantageous to the to the kingdom coming in that context. Mm -hmm. And for some of them. A centralized Sunday morning teaching event is very helpful yeah. in point of fact. The solicitors, for example, yeah. they may say, no, we're cerebral. We, we, we need places like that where we, they can learn scripture. It's great. Yeah. But maybe a microchurch working with prostitutes might think, 
we bring the prostitutes to things on Sunday, they feel judged, they don't feel like they fit. It's actually detrimental yeah. to their discipleship. So do they have the freedom, the autonomy to make that call on their own? That's the important thing. So helpful, Brendan. So helpful. Um, I, I have the sense this will be an ongoing conversation. So mm -hmm. I, I uh, thank you so much for the time you've given us. I wonder if I can ask you just a couple of questions uh, to finish. One is, you are clearly very well read. Uh, wh what book have you read in the last 12 months that you would say, here's a book that people should get into? It doesn't need to be about microchurches. No, just sure. Something that's... Uh, just one book. Um, well, interestingly, I, I, I put out, so I read about, I get through about 300 books a year. Uh, so it's hard for me. So I'm already on like two, ah. I'm already on 290 for this year. Okay. So I'm ahead of the curve. Yeah. I but, feel inferior right now. Well, so please, don't, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> it's just a weird, it's a weird kind of rhythm yeah. for my life. But so when I say this, it, it carries that weight. We're, yeah. we're on two, 290 for this year. The best book I've read this year is a book called New Power uh, by um, two, two guys, Hymans and Tims. Um, and if you really are interested in thinking about um, the world, the, the the shape of the world that is coming, the future, the sense of like, what is, what are old power systems and new power systems? This is essentially what they're talking about. Um, interestingly enough, there's a guy called um, Moises Naim, who I think is an Argentinian intellectual, who wrote a book called The End of Power. And in his book, he's talking about power is, n is being not just broken down and dispersed into what he calls micropowers, which is really interesting. Uh, so power itself is being given to people. That's, that's happening. In our time. So we see that in Hong Kong, and we see that in yes. like that where it's it's ground level stuff. Right? And and so in one sense, this is this is our milieu that we're in. How does the church respond to that? How do we how do we operate effectively in that milieu? Um, he he actually says that power is being destroyed, which I think is interesting too. That actually there's less power than there was before. But but Hyman's and Tim's book, New Power, is just a, a an incredibly paradigm shifting way of looking. at for me, it fits perfectly in with the underground. The underground would be, and their little two by two would be up to the right. New, new power values, new power system. So there's also that issue of like, there are these new new values emerging, and then there's new systems to accompany them. And you can adopt the values but not have the right system. And you can actually adopt the system. They use Facebook as an example of this. You have a new new power system, uh, but old power values. Still trying to lead it like a top-down kind of thing. Uber would be an example of that. Or these sort of domineering, controlling leaders on a on a pretty open-source platform. So, what does the church need to be? I think it's a it's also a fascinating way to read a book. So, say, okay, this is happening. Where is the church in this in this? So that would be that would be the book I'd recommend. Right. Yeah. And you've obviously written a number of books. What three, four books, something like that. Um, if somebody's listening to this and thinking, actually, I want to understand a bit more about this guy than an hour's conversation, uh, where would you recommend they start with your with your work? I th I think the Microchurches book is it's small, it's simple, yeah. it's it's straightforward. I think it's probably more important. Um, the Underground Church book is maybe if you're if you're a systems person or if you're in higher level leadership in church work, that could be. You know, helpful or interesting to you, but just sort of like something to give to our people, yeah. to help them think a little differently. And I'm not, I'm not trying to tear down 
anything. I'm not trying to, to throw mud at the existing system. I just want to give this other option a, a chance. So I, I, I probably... So it's kind of parallel tracks rather than kind of... Yeah, surely there's room for these little ones, yeah. you know, these, these small yeah. expressions of the church to be, to be nurtured and to be treasured. Um, surely we can find a way to not cause one of these little ones to stumble, you know. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Ryan, we will finish with that. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Uh, it has been a blessing to spend it with you. Cool. A huge thank you to Brian for the time that he gave us and for the input he's given us. And we look forward to developing some kind of relationship with Brian into the future and hearing his voice more around our union. If you enjoyed this, then uh, please take the time to rate or review us on iTunes. If there's something you want to know more about, uh, please do get in touch with us at BUS Midcast on Twitter, or you can find us on the Scottish Baptist website, scottishbaptist.com forward slash Midcast. You can get in touch with us through that. We would love to hear from you. If there are guests that you want to uh, hear more from, or indeed if there are guests that you think we should be speaking to, then we would love to hear from you. Again, thanks for taking the time to listen. I'm Glenn Innes. This has been the Midcast. We are out. You've been listening to the Midcast, a presentation of the Mission Initiative Group of the Baptist Union of Scotland.